Hello and welcome once again to episode 54 of Code Completion. We are a group of iOS developers and educators hoping to share what we love most about development, Apple technology, and completing your code. My name is Dimitri and I'll be your host once again for this episode and I'm joined today by my fellow completionists, Spencer. Hey there. And Fernando. Hello, hello. So before we get into our main topic, it's time for our Indie App Spotlight. Today we are checking out Huh by Peter Yakub, a dictionary app for your iPhone and iPad. Huh? contains more than 50 dictionaries over seven different languages full of rich definitions, audio pictures, and etymology. Accessibility features like dynamic text and voiceover are fully supported, and you even get the history of your recent searches right in your today view. Huh? is free to try and costs only uh, 99 cents to unlock its premium features, so please be sure to support Peter and check it out today. And if you are an indie developer, we want to hear from you. Please reach out to us on Twitter at CodeCompletion via DM so we can spotlight your app in the future as well. So as we all await our new MacBook Pros, um, so that way they can arrive and we can play around with them, uh, we are often left to consider how best to use our new Macs because it seems like there are fewer and fewer great Mac apps to fully take advantage of all that new power that is soon to be available to us. Sure, Slack will run faster, uh, but it's still going to be a power and resource hog. So the question we wanted to answer today is, what makes a Mac app? Fernando? Mm. In two words or less. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Wait. Let me think today's, about this. <laughs> today's episode is sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for, for coming to my TED Talk. Uh <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, I don't think, I don't think there's a checklist that we could come up with. If we could, that would be really, really cool. Um, but let's, I think, yeah, some, sometimes one thing I learned, uh, during college, I was, uh, doing an internship at a place, um, that was actually not that bad, but it was a nine to five, nine to six job and I hated it. So after, after I left the internship, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life, but it, this is not it. So in that same way, I don't know exactly what a Mac app, like what a great Mac app is, but I can tell you what it isn't. And um, like easily, I can easily say that the more custom UI, the further away you get from being a, a great Mac app. That's not to say that uh, Mac apps should stick with like AppKit, but usually whenever you come up with a custom gesture, custom animation, and uh, during the pre-show we were discussing like custom random shortcuts, um, that's when it starts getting like uh, annoying and not really a great Mac app. So I guess, I guess that's my, my uh, first take on it. So for me, I think one thing that now that we've had Apple Silicon for about a year now, and you can just download iPad versions of the of an app uh, on Apple Silicon is, uh, like Fernando said, you kind of don't know what a Mac app is, but you know what it isn't. And something to me that is lacking is like the lack of menu support where... Um, mm -hmm. and keyboard shortcuts in general, um, you're kind of moving out of a touch first interface into something that you'll always have, uh, you know, a mouse and trackpad or, or a mouse trackpad and uh, a keyboard. So keyboard shortcuts are something that most people are going to assume you have in an app of really any complexity. Um, you know, you can hold the command key on an iPad 
uh, on a hardware keyboard and kind of get that pop-up that shows all of the the uh, the shortcuts that you have in an app, but you can't really do that um, in an Apple's you know in in a Mac app. So you have to have those menus in order to kind of uh, expose those shortcuts to the user. So for me, that's one thing when I whenever I see the menu bar just blank and it has the app name and like help. To me, that that you know you'll see that in like java apps as well it just feels a little bit unfinished if if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and i think that's a that's a a really strong point for the mac as a platform is the menu system because it allows you to have a very clean and simple user interface that is uh easy to kind of navigate and know what its basic functionality is and if you need to reach for anything more powerful the menus aren't hiding. They're always available. You can search through them. You can navigate through them. And even like most recently, you can just go to help and start typing the menu command that you know exists, but you don't like know where it's like shuffled away. Um, and you can find it. But crucially, it acts as an index that you can go ahead and just peruse at your, uh, at your free time to kind of see what kind of functionality that the app actually has. Um, and it's a great benefit that on the Mac, you have one menu bar for the entire app. So you know at a glance what the entire app can do. Um, for like apps like Windows, it's very contextual. Um, for like OSs like Windows, it's very contextual. On any given window, you have a potentially very different set of menus. Uh, and you need to wait until that specific window pops up for you to start navigating those menus. So um, I think it's, it's a testament to the Mac's like initial UI design that you have one system that is kind of app wide um, because it helps kind of learn more about the application. Um, And as you said, having uh, keyboard shortcuts is useful, but they are not something that you can accidentally invoke. Like uh, what Fernando alluded to, we were complaining how like pro apps, uh, like many 3D tools, Final Cut Pro, many editors, um, they have like special functionality just hidden behind any random key. So if you like tap on the T key with no modifiers or anything, you just press T, something is going to happen. You've changed the mode of the software that you're using. And unless you know what that software like does, oftentimes you can get lost and you really don't know how to get out of it. Um, and this is like a person with a cat's worst nightmare because a cat will just randomly walk on your keyboard you have no no way of knowing when this is going to happen. It's just going to happen. Uh, and in a lot of these apps, like chaos uh, starts because not only did one key get pressed, many keys got pressed. Um, and it's oftentimes very hard to know like what just happened. Now I get that like these pro tool, these professional tools, they have a lot of functionality and these shortcuts actually help like the user um, kind of navigate around. But I think what makes a good Mac app is not necessarily just making all the functionality available all the time like putting a ton of ui on the screen but to curate that functionality and to make it available where it makes sense um, but also have it be discoverable through like the menus as you brought up i was going to say something similar um you brought up the uh, like having too much ui and uh along those lines a great mac app is constantly it constantly feels better and i'm not saying updates from like the creator or creators it just the more you use it 
the more it feels like it's not in your way. The more it's like, oh wow, like you. It's like I don't know when you're no like friction. having. What, what was that? There's like no friction. Yes, but there's there's something else be- behind no friction because no friction is just like efficient and sure. I I think efficiency is is a mm. big part of it, but it's more like when you just when you're having a lot of fun and you are having a great time, you're enjoying it. That's fine. But then afterwards, you transform that experience into a memory that's very positive. And so it constantly reinforces itself, like the, the positive vibe. So you're like using the app, oh, that's neat. And then that's that. And then after a few days, oh, that's neat too. And then you start building on top of, of the positive experience again and again. And it just keeps getting better. I think that's what makes, well, that's one of the things that, that makes a great Mac app. Yeah, I don't know sure. how to explain it, though. Uh, it feels weird. <laughs> I think another one that comes to mind is um, our favorite, probably, um, how would I put this, like, necessary evil in a lot of people's work is Slack, where I like Slack as a service. I think it's great. Um yeah. But the app sucks and like there's no multi-window support, for example, or tabs. So that kind of limiting it to a single window uh, also feels not like a normal Mac app. And I think, uh, you know, things like Electron apps and or, um, you know, converted iPad apps can maybe fall into that as well. Can I just go off on a rant on, oh, oh no, there goes my mouse selection. Um, <laughs> um, I just want to go off on a rant on Slack not having multi-window support. It is the most like insane thing because yeah. oftentimes, if you have if you're part of multiple workspaces, especially, you are on two different conversations at the same time, mm-hmm. and no, you cannot see both of these conversations side by yep. side and have one on one part of your large monitor and one on another part of your large monitor and kind of work that way. No, you have to constantly uh, context switch between one workspace in a specific thread, in a specific channel, and another, and another, and another. Um, And yes, Slack added navigation support recently, which allows you to go back and forward, but that is not solving the problem at hand. Like what would make this a lot better is to just be able to open a window with a conversation that you're having and just have that open so that way you yeah. can engage in that specifically while you're doing something else or keeping tabs on other things um, and it's there waiting for you. And that is just something that is not there. So I think the fact that on like a good Mac app embraces the ability to open the same view in multiple different ways... Um, and the ability to open more than one thing side by side, I think that's really important. Um, and as you said, Fernando, that's a thing that many apps just don't have anymore. Uh, it's just a one a one window experience, um, and it's it's definitely easier to make a one window experience um, from a development point of view. But I think that's what allows the Mac to be more powerful than an iPad at like fulfilling many tasks is the fact that you can open multiple things up at once and have free-flowing expression and how that is working for you if that makes any sense 
I agree, hundred um, percent. And I don't even like Slack, so that's a double whammy for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like uh, there's there's another thing that I can that I can think of just uh, to riff off what you said, uh, Dimitri, which is that uh, a great Mac app comes from someone that's using that app and building it at the same time. Like dog fooding, it's just, I'm not going to say like if you don't use your own app, it's going to suck. But there is a really high correlation between somebody using the app uh, and that's if that somebody is the creator and the app being great. Because yeah. mm-hmm. it, it, like you said, it feels like, and I know this is not true, but it feels like nobody has, at Slack is an, uh, part of more than one, one workspace. It just feels like, why wouldn't, <laughs> like, do you live like this? Like, I would be, if I were part of the Slack team, I would be like, hey, get, when can we get this done? Because it's, like, ridiculous. It's like, I'm, I'm just going back and forth, back and forth. And there's a ton of things, of tiny things that I feel like, for example, Slack, just to pick on Slack, because, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Dude, you started the random, just continuing. <laughs> um, there's a ton of tiny annoying details that exist that it just feels like why is nobody fixing this like it it's weird and when you are working on a great mac app you see it now now it's not about the experience but about the updates you see it continually improving sometimes in very minor ways sometimes in very big ways but always in ways that go that make you go Oh yeah, that like I totally needed that, or oh that was very annoying and now it's fixed. Things like that, like using your own app is just completely necessary in my opinion um, to making it great. And an example of that in Slack is if you're just typing in the text field, a thing that you do in almost every app behaves differently in Slack. If you misspell a word and you right click it, sometimes the correction the correction of the correct word is just not in that list because slack has its own spell checker so what i do is i copy my misspelled word because i'm dyslexic and i'm not going to figure it out on my own i open spotlight i paste it in there i right click it in spotlight i get my correction i copy that and i paste it back in slack like it's those little cuts i feel like that any mac user or any user really is going to notice if that's not the one thing you do. Like if you use a variety of other things, it's immediately going to be obvious when an app doesn't kind of behave like the rest of the system. And I guess that brings us into yeah. another very common like tentpole that makes a great Mac app is it doesn't stray far from system standards. Like the best Mac apps I've seen, they use what looks and behaves almost exactly like system UI, except they customize it in a way that makes it feel unique to their app. Like one that I have in front of me every time we record is Audio Hijack. Everything about Audio Hijack behaves like a Mac app. However, nothing is stylized exactly like Mac apps do. It doesn't look like a Mac app's dark mode. It has its own like coat of paint on it and that makes it fit at home. Like it's its own thing and it behaves exactly the same. Like that that key piece where it behaves exactly the same means that we can use all the knowledge that we've picked up, kind of like you're saying, Fernando, in one app, like you build upon the knowledge that you had last time and it just becomes a better, better experience. That's the Mac as a system. 
And yep. when you suddenly jump to an app and none of your previous knowledge is applicable, then that system kind of falls apart because your app is not playing part in that anymore. And maybe it's kind of been flipped on its head and what everyone is coming from is like web uh, platforms. So they're used to that behavior. And then they jump to a Mac app and that feels foreign to them. But to us, like it's the complete opposite. And I find that fascinating. Uh, but if since we're talking about what makes a good Mac app, then I'm going to take my opinion as the one that makes the more, most sense. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely another aspect of it. I have... I have a good anecdote about that. Um, uh, at Basecamp, we literally, uh, two days ago, we just shipped a new feature. It's called Don't Forget. Basically, you can tag an item and it remembers it in a, in a specific section. And um, I wrote down the uh, internal release notes, uh, made a few GIFs just to um, display how the feature works for others. Uh, and someone asked me on my, on my iPhone, hey, why are your labels underlined? And I was like, what do you mean underlined? And then he showed me like, yeah, in this button, uh, that label is underlined and then other labels aren't. And I'm like, oh, there's an accessibility setting where buttons appear underlined on the iPhone. And instead of putting like a button around it. No, no, no. Instead of just like having nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm the saying. They I could have put at... a button around it, but they put an underline. Oh, yes, absolutely. I agree. That aside. I see your point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly like that. Exactly like that. And and um, I found it funny because and and frustrating because just like you said, the Mac has been coming along and then building UI and UX on top of it uh, with a ton of research for like forty years, and then the iPhone with with uh, iOS uh, seven completely destroyed a ton of the things that we'd learned for years and years and years. Starting with hey, you know what? maybe labels and buttons should look differently. And that's what makes, uh, at least, I'm, I know I'm talking about the iPhone, but but that's what makes a Mac app great. It keeps as close uh, as possible, it, uh, it keeps itself as close as possible to the UI UX that you would expect. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's all about customization. Sure, you can you can be expressive with your app, but it has to be a good citizen. If it's not a good citizen, uh, you'll be like fumbling for menus, trying to find an option. I don't know. It's just it feels it feels different and and weird. Like Slack, sorry Slack. <laughs> it's it's funny because I so uh, and and that it gets me. Oh my god, it gets me going. This this episode is going to be full of rants, isn't it? <laughs> but it's like uh, uh, I have friends that the Apple. rant episode. Yeah, the rants episode. Uh, I have friends at Apple, and Apple is great. Well, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for Apple. But it just feels like for the past five or so years, maybe a little bit more, a little bit less, um, a lot of the UI UX has been lost. Like the the very old guard, the people who were either before 1997 or joined like in the next five years after 1997. Uh, I feel like those people are either retiring or they've become managers so high up that they don't get their hands on the code. And we're rediscovering a lot of these, what makes a Mac upgrade, what makes an iOS upgrade. And, and it feels frustrating because I get it if someone comes from the web and they're discovering all of these 
cache of amazing UI UX info that we have, but it gets very frustrating when the people who were writing the book on UI UX start like forgetting about good UI UX. Like I'm, I'm we've given a lot of uh, issues uh, with Slack, like we've hated on Slack, but let me tell you, if there is one app that takes the uh, my most hated position is messages messages on the mac just sucks it should be amazing it should be the best app ever and it just it's horrible like scrolling for all their messages is a horrible experience and that's like ui ux 101 this is but a it has convers- confetti now oh well yeah you're right <laughs> sent with confetti no but you're you're totally right it's like what should we do? Should we fix this horrible scrolling that we have? Or, hear me out, we could add confetti to some messages. Like It just feels weird that we're at this point where Apple is like adding stupid new things and they're not worrying about UI UX. And here we are in a podcast trying to save the universe yep. one rant at a time. That's exactly I mean, what we're trying to do. <laughs> I have an a, a, uh, excellent example of like lost UI knowledge. Um, let's go to iOS. On iOS, there are a lot of panels. Some go the full screen. Some go a little bit of the screen. Some show panel after panel after panel. You're going to see close buttons on these panels, like the actual X close button. I'm not talking about done and cancel. Those have well-defined paradigms and when to use and where to place. Like That is well-defined in the iOS HIG. Something that's not well-defined is where do you put an X button? Well, if you're a Mac user, you might think, hey, the top left is the solution to that problem. If you're a Windows user, you might say, hey, the top right is the solution to that problem. Now, why is one way better than the other? Well, let's consider the English language. The English language is a left-to-right language, right? The past happens on the left and the future happens on the right. Like if you're progressing through a story... That's pretty much how it goes. Now, if you have a panel, the left side of the panel is going backwards. Like you are kind of retreating and following your steps backwards. Whereas the right side of the panel is you're going forward. You're taking the next step um, to the next screen. So an X, if you have it on a panel, should always be on the left because you're going backwards. You're closing that panel. You're not finishing the process. You're saying, no, I don't want to do this process anymore. Um... That's why cancel is on the left and done is on the right. The same thing goes for uh, OK and cancel buttons in like alerts. You'll see on oh every Mac, God. cancel is on the left and OK is on the right. The only time this is not the case when a forward action is not on the right or the forward action is not highlighted is when the default will be dangerous and the system wants to tell you, hey, exception here, think about this what you're about to do and therefore you think about it because it's an exception to the usual rules that you're used to now on windows guess what cancels on the right and okay's on the left is there a good reason for this no it's to be different than what mac os was because that's how windows came about it had to be different for no reason um and if you don't like recognize that as like historical fact and how these operating systems came about you fail to realize that when you're speaking english like just as the main localization for a lot of these operating systems, hey, things are left to right. 
meaning left is going backwards, right is going forward. So a cancel has to be on the left side. Um, and that, as like a lesson, is not taught anywhere. That used to be a lesson taught in the HIG. I read that as a part of the HIG when I was first learning about macOS development. That was a like a quite literally a phrase, and it's not available anymore. You're never going to find it. But that is something that, as you were saying, Fernando, lost UI and user experience knowledge that is just not going to make it back because... Unless you have people that are explicitly teaching it and reminding people, hey, this is the reason why it is, this is the reason why it works better, they're not going to think about it. And to Apple's credit, hey, in right-to-left languages, it works the other way around. The close button's on the left, cancel's on the right, and the forward button OK is on the left side. Like, all of that is hooked up. That's why we have trailing and leading uh, constraints, just so that way we can yeah. align yeah. things in the direction that our language expects. And it's also the reason why, like, if you think about it as a programmer, you get confused with little Indian and big Indian numbers. Like, we are used to big Indian numbers. When you write a number, the big part comes first, just <laughs> in English. So that's why that it makes more sense to us. But from a computer's point of view, why put the most significant stuff first, put the least, and then go up to the most? And that's why it's little Indian for a lot of processors. Like, it just makes more sense from like how you're organizing your data. So you really need to think about these sorts of things and you really need to be taught these sorts of things. And Apple is doing a poor job teaching them, which is why we are kind of losing the grip on the Mac as a platform, I would say. Even iOS. Because, yeah, even iOS. Like there is just not enough effort. I like look at Apple's apps. The X is on the right in Maps. It's now on the right in Safari. It used to be on the left. It's on the left in mail. If you open up multiple mail messages, it is all over the place um, throughout the system. And there's no consistency there because there's no guidance on it. And a lot of the new developers that are now working at Apple, like you didn't grow up with 30 years of macOS knowledge that it was available to you. Like not many people use the Mac for such a long time. So like it's I don't blame anyone for getting this wrong other than Apple for not maintaining that knowledge and pushing it forward yeah i think sorry <laughs> no that, that's awesome and you you mentioned the 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 human interface guidelines and i think that's a huge thing because they have human interface guidelines for the mac and you know even apple isn't really following it all the time so oh my god yes. you know part of i think part of the issue is uh one uh we're not all reading and following the HIG, uh, especially when it comes to macOS, or maybe I don't know. Maybe I, you know, there are obviously way more iOS developers than there are macOS developers at this point. So I think if you just, you know, if you're like, all right, I've got my iPad app, I want to, you know, throw it onto the onto the Mac. If you read through the HIG and just, you know, learned about things that don't exist on on ios right like uh, multi-column table views how to display your data more richly in not just a single cell but now you have columns things like that um i think it would push your your app to feel more mac like obviously we're used to that in uh in finder and in in a bunch of different apps so things like that i don't know i mean i think I, I agree that Apple is doing terribly at that. Like, for example, you pull up like FaceTime and 
there's information there, but it's all in a single cell. It just looks like a UI table view cell. So I don't know. I think maybe just <laughs> following the HIG a little bit better. Like I, feel, I agree that maybe some information is lost, but I also think there's a fair amount of information and take this with a grain of salt coming from the person who has probably used macOS the least and written apps for macOS the least. But I feel like there's good information there. It's not like it's like this arcane uh, box, locked box that you don't know how to build a Mac app for. It's like there's definitely differences in the building process, but also it says, hey, use multiple columns, use split views, use sidebars, use, you know, uh, all of these different things. It's just maybe no one is really following and or reading about them. So there's there's some truth to that, like 100%. Uh, but even then, like Dimitri said, like he learned about the close button or the X from reading the guidelines, and that's nowhere to be found in today's guidelines. So even if oh, even if I okay. were like if someone would come to to me and say, hey, how can I learn about all of these UI UX knowledge? I literally just had to look it up right now. Uh, but the there are old versions of the HIG, but they're not very easy to find. And mm -hmm. so that lost knowledge is basically lost. I mean, we, we us three, I could send us the links and we could read them and start spreading them, but we're no authority, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's up to Apple or someone or some people at Apple to be like, hey, you know what? Uh, we should probably just start... I mean, Apple has so much money. Why don't they have a YouTube channel on iOS development? That'd be sweet. It's like, I, I love Paul Hudson. He's an amazing, positive influence on the, uh, on the ecosystem. But it's like, he is doing Apple's work for them. Like, <laughs> yes. he's documenting everything. He's building tutorials for Swift and all the platforms. Like, why is he doing that when it's Apple's job to do that? Maybe Apple just wants to make sure that he, he keeps having the support he needs from the work hard work that he's putting into it. <laughs> and I'm sure he's happy with that. I'm happy with that. Yeah. But it's mm -hmm. like, imagine if like Paul had a budget from Apple. Like yeah. Whatever amount they could give him. It would be... Like a like, salary. Yeah, well, <laughs> starting with a salary, absolutely. But like a team of writers or whatever, just say, right, hey, yeah. write about this or, yeah. It's just frustrating. Yeah, no, it really is. Well, getting back to like a list of things that every great Mac app has, it is ubiquitous undo support. Now, this mm. is something that mm. has been fleeting more like and more in terms yeah. of like, when can you expect to hit command Z and for it to just work uh, is something that is no longer a given. Um, and I think that's a little bit unfortunate because it's such a useful thing on a computer to say, I didn't mean to do that. Or my cat just walked all over the keyboard and I have no idea what just happened. Um, but to be able to undo as many times as you need and the ability to not lose that undo history just because you switched modes or contexts I think is tremendously important uh, and is something that is taken for granted nowadays. Like, who undoes anymore? Uh, just because you don't know if it's going to work. So you learned, you've unlearned that, that muscle memory that you can just kind of rely on. And it's only yep. kind of, it only makes sense within text editing nowadays. 
Like, think of when you last use undo system-wide for various different things. Well, the thing is, I never mess up, so it's not a problem to me. Well, us mortals, Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny that you mentioned that about the, uh, the undo on elsewhere. Uh, I just realized I tried everywhere. Like, if I'm on a text editor, obviously, but if I mess something up, like on Finder, the first thing I'll do is, can I undo that? Command C. And, and the file C. goes right back to where it was. And yeah. it's like, it's a lifesaver when it works. Yep. Yeah, but people like have even to... on the iPhone, you shake your phone in frustration, and maybe what comes back comes back, <laughs> and then it's like you you quite literally brush the sweat off your brow because it's something that worked, uh, and you thought you lost something, um, and it takes work as a developer to add undo support in a way that like really works, right? Yeah. It's it's not something they get for free outside of text views, but that's why we only have it in text views because it's the only place where we get it for free now. Like, th this is what I miss from Apple. I'll, I'll send you guys, I think we should post this. Um, there's a Stack Exchange, uh, an Apple Stack Exchange answer here with the old human interaction guidelines. I downloaded mm. the guidelines from 2006, so 15 years ago. And I just randomly found this section, which is amazing, which is called Forgiveness. And I, I don't know if this is the, the section I read, like, Probably 15 years ago. I recognize that title. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I do too. I don't know if this it's this specific guidelines. But anyway, um, it just basically tells you as a developer to encourage people to explore your application uh, by making sure that you can, that the user has a safety net, mm. such as undo or revert to saved commands. And it's a, a paragraph and there's a, a, a whole a, a link to another section so you can keep going with that. But there's, I don't think, I, I need to, to read the guidelines, like today's guidelines, but I don't think I've seen something like this, uh, where it is very explicit about, hey, you should be doing this because it benefits the user in X, Y, Z. Of course, there is examples like that in today's guidelines, but like this thing is like 500 pages long. So that's what we need. Yeah, I don't think the, the current human interface guidelines are 500 pages long. That is insane, like yep. in a good way. It sucks. And like users learn to depend on these features. Like mm -hmm. another one that I, you seldom see a Mac app implement is a help book. Like if you go to the help menu, you can oh, say, right. yeah, that's like, true. help, and it will give you a manual. And if you do this in any of Apple's apps, you're going to learn so much about the software because it's it's quite literally um, probably a hundred page manual that's about that piece of software that you're using. You'll learn all the keyboard shortcuts. You'll learn this and that about like about your Mac if you do it in Finder. Like it's really really useful. But you learn not to depend on it because most apps nowadays they just don't support help, uh, and therefore you learn to never even look for it anymore because most things don't have it. It's a, a vicious feedback cycle in a way where we just lose like these things that make an app good and therefore we're left with a bunch of apps that are just mediocre you know which kind of sucks yeah another one that i thought of was like right slash two fingers slash control clicking uh for contextual menus uh mm -hmm. 
you'll kind of see a couple Mac apps or sorry, iPad apps implement this, but um, contextual menus are great just because sometimes you don't want to go all the way up to the main menu bar and you can just have, you know, some contextual action right there by moving your mouse very slightly. And that's such a pro feature that every Mac comes with it disabled by default. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> so you can get to any contextual menu by hitting control, but to an everyday person, hitting the trackpad with two fingers, that's a confusing thing. Yeah, that you so don't necessarily weird. want to do something different, like just by default. Like you don't necessarily know how a trackpad works. You <laughs> click on it with one or maybe seven fingers. Um, like I've seen, there's always pictures of people holding the mouse upside down with the wire, like running towards them and under the desk. Um, (laughs) and like, that's how they learned how to use a computer and you can't change that muscle memory now. It's like far too late. Um, but like in order to accommodate to the, as many people as possible, context menus are off by default, unless you hold down the control key and then you'll get the context menu. Um, but as you said, like them being there and them having the right contextual like uh functionality there is tremendously useful when you need it it's like hey i want to do something with this oh there it is that's the most common thing that i might do it's it's that it's there it's built in and it's ready for the user to kind of explore it so now the uh the million dollar question um I, I, Dimitri just linked um, to even more and older human interaction guideline manuals. There's one from 1985 that's amazing. And apparently it has case it studies. It explains and everything. Like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It yeah. explains why. So the, the real question is ignorance bliss? Should I read these and be more annoyed during my everyday use of my caps? Or should I just like leave it be and keep my my frustrations at manageable levels. I say do it. And that's a reference. Do what? So in the, in the initial (laughs) dialogues, it used to say, do it. Uh, Like that's, that's the button to do something. Isn't Um, that beautiful? and, And in the initial fonts that Apple was using on these very, very pixelated displays, uh, in those user feedback sessions, someone said, why is this calling me adult? I'm not adult. <laughs> <laughs> and therefore, we do not have do it as our button. That's we have okay. So, that is awesome. You're such adult. I'm going to start <laughs> using that. <laughs> okay, so I will. I will. I will definitely read a bunch of these because they're like, they're like, ah. I think it'll be a good experience. I'll read them too, but it, I think also, especially for like you two, I think it would be make you even more of like a "Hey, kids, get off my lawn" type of thing <laughs> that you'll see everywhere. Well, that aside, it like even for us to read it, we're going to learn a lot about the why as far as why certain decisions are made, and that will help us make better apps. Yeah, like, it's whether true. it's on macOS or on iOS. There's a reason why this platform is well regarded as one of the better platforms out there is because it actually thought about all of these things to a humongous degree Um, and to learn from those lessons, like just like we learned that getting rid of button shapes is not a way to make buttons just 
have more breathability or whatever on iOS 7. Um, like, slowly, I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, I certainly have. Button shapes come back over time. You know, shading comes back over time. And just the tasteful amounts. Like, it doesn't need to be full-on uh, Caribbean leather uh, for our UIs anymore, but we still are now starting to see buttons with subtle shadings and lightings mm-hmm. uh, that is going to make it look better um, as a user interface. And it doesn't need to be flat two colors. Like, this is a very monotone kind of UI that we have. And I think that is for the better, and that's pretty much what made the Mac special, is it embraced the fact that the user interface is an extension of the environment around you. Um, And it's ultimately there to be a tool that gets out of your way, so that way you can do the work that you need to do. Uh, And anytime that that kind of falls apart, that's when you are broken out of that illusion and you are reminded that, hey, what you're using is not a standard app or it's using too many resources and now you're reminded that your computer is a thing uh, and it needs babying and that is all your fault for customizing it um, and all those kind of like negative thoughts that start piling on just because you turn Slack on. Um, so, yeah. I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm just cranky. <laughs> Never do Slack. Not even once. Yeah. <laughs> we really... I, I would really love love us to do another another episode on on like instant communications like slack because there's a lot to unpack there too i see that we've we've come to a point the slack where like, episode yeah we may need some psychological help from all the damage that slack has done to us you'll know when we've reached wit wit's end when we come out with the slack episode <laughs> <laughs> if we had to like summarize our thoughts this definitely was a, a ranty episode. <laughs> if I were to summarize my thoughts, I would go ahead and say, find your favorite Mac apps and think about why they are your favorite. What did they do so exceptionally well that makes you smile and be happy every time you use it? And really think about that and use that knowledge to make your own apps as best as they can be. So that's my positive note ending. I think, yeah, just kind of going off what Dimitri said, like if you need an example of one, look at something like um, Safari or Transmit, I think is a really good app that is well-designed and it's, there's a lot of, you know, it's a power app. It's not something that everyone's going to use, but it's really easy to use. Um, I think, you know, if let's, let's all push to read the human interface guidelines in mm-hmm. one form of an, or another, even if it's the current one, I think even just that Agreed. would help, but we'll, Agreed. we'll definitely link to these. Um, let's see, Fernando found the uh, 2006 version and then Dimitri has the 1987 and, 1995 and 1985 uh yeah dang that's crazy um but yeah i think it'd be i think one thing is at least in my like much lesser experience of coming from ios development and not having done mac os first is it felt really daunting to me for some reason because it's like oh i'm going from this one single screen here to now 
being a, a full-fledged Mac app, right? Like that was scary, but also it's not that hard and a lot, there's a lot of crossover. So if you have like an iOS app, uh, I would maybe challenge you to even just try to make it like a catalyst app for fun. Just, you know, check, tick the checkbox and, uh, see what you get. And then you probably will realize, oh yeah, there is no menu bar. There are no contextual, um, menus or, or whatever it is that, that you may read about or have listened about and, and try to learn about how to do it because it's really not that hard. So, yeah. I agree a hundred percent though. Uh, one, one slight correction I'd make to, to your, um, summary Spencer is don't, don't look at the uh, newest Safari. Just go back a few years. Okay. Fair. No, the, the be newest, better. newest is good. <laughs> The newest, what? newest is good. We verify that it, it's a okay. So good the again. newest, newest. Okay, perfect. I like then, it. I think it's fine. I I used the uh, newest, not newest for a while, and it was not great. Oh, okay. But, yeah, but, but yeah, What I, I mean by yeah, that I, is, sorry to clarify. I mean <laughs> like it has tab support. It has multi-window support. It's got a a rich uh, set of menus and contextual actions, that kind of thing. It's a good platform citizen. Yes. Safari for the longest time was like at least. Oh, well, it may still will be. I haven't checked the newest newest, but Safari for the longest time was the uh, like the Mac app. It was amazingly well done, and uh, yeah. So so I I agree. Um, I learned a lot of the uh, tiny nuances from uh, Will Shipley's old blog, and he was already a seasoned developer when I was just a young one. So. Uh, I I would I would give that advice. Like I think I think building Mac apps is really difficult, really really difficult. And just this is uh, the best way is to look at other people's work, and if they write about that work, then even better. Um, and I'm definitely gonna read the old uh, human interface or human interaction guidelines. I don't know if they changed the name, but yeah. And if you do decide to check, tick that checkbox, like Spencer said, be sure to use Optimize for Mac. That gives you like native Mac scaling yes. and native Mac controls. Uh, and uh, if you follow uh, Stephen Tr- Smith on Twitter, you'll know that the experience of bringing an app to ca- like to the Mac via Catalyst is not a one-way street. If you mm-hmm. add the menus, hey, now those menus are available on the iPad version. Like it goes both ways. So um, as much as we hate messages, it's not because of the technology necessarily that makes us hate it. It's just because they didn't think it through all the way yep. through to make yep. it a great uh, app. And like, again, Stephen Stratton Smith is a great example of if technology aside, if you want to make a great app, you will be able to make a great app. Um, it's just down to you wanting to be able to do it, to put in the energy, to work around any uh, oddities that you run into, right? Yep. Um, I think, well, I just want to say we'll post, I'm I'm just saying this now that we will, we'll post a couple articles from, from Stephen because uh, he's got some great uh, Catalyst 
uh, both code examples and also just like kind of going beyond that that checkbox, I think is what it's called or something mm-hmm. that that gives some well, I think that's what Dimitri was referencing that just gives some some great ideas on like, hey, now that you're in uh, Catalyst and you're in macOS, you can even uh, leverage AppKit and do things that your iOS app just can't to maybe interface with um, with your Mac app better. So good. he has some really, really good stuff. This week's episode of Code Completion is brought to you by Weekly Swift Exercises. Learning Swift, there's no substitute for practicing. There's dozens, literally dozens of people Fernando's mentored through different programs, and he's seen it time and time again. After you learn the basics of programming, you slow down because learning through experience is demanding and painful. Increasing your confidence is key, and there's an easy way to do it. Practice. Fernando's weekly exercises help you practice concepts like closures and protocols, while implementing actual features like dark mode. It's free to join. Besides the exercises, Fernando sends one or two articles about learning Swift. Some are technical in nature, but most of them will help you in your career by teaching you things like best practices, working as a team, and getting ready to get your first job. Thanks again to Fernando and Weekly Swift Exercises for sponsoring Code Completion. Go to twitter.com slash swiftexercises today to learn more. Now that we've gone through our topic, it's time for Complete the Code, where we quiz our listeners on your knowledge of Swift, Apple, and all things development. Spencer? Yeah, so uh, we have one winner this week for our Switch-related code snippet. Uh, Sorry, I'm not going to pronounce your name right, probably. Um, Mio uh, Grisanen, who wrote in to explain that if you were to tap on the first row, not only will the About screen be shown, but so would the Help screen. Uh, and that's exactly correct because this code wasn't Swift code, but Objective-C code, uh, meaning that every case in that switch statement needs to be terminated by a break statement. Otherwise, it will fall through. Um, this week, we have another Objective-C question for you. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, you can check the podcast art or the show notes to follow along. Uh, so how can you make the same enum available in both Swift and Objective-C? So thank you, Spencer. If you think you can complete the code, tweet your answers to us with hashtag complete the code, all one word. The first to get it right will get a shout out on the following week's show. So with all that out of the way, it's time for Compiler Error, a segment where I get to test my fellow completionist knowledge about Swift, Apple, and all things development. And I have a wonderful topic uh, for all of you today, and that is classic Mac apps. So I have four statements about four classic Mac apps, and uh, one of them, as usual, is completely fabricated and will cause a compiler error, so good luck snuffing it out. Uh, Statement number one, First Draft was a vector-based drawing app for classic Mac OS that featured a simplified tool set for making basic illustrations and line art. Statement number two, Boom is a Mac game that blends uh, Bomberman and Doom featuring Bomberman-style gameplay for one or two players, with enemies and sound effects closely inspired by Doom. Statement number three, Suitcase was an integral tool for any graphics professional, automating the process of enabling and disabling fonts based on the project at hand. And statement number four, Stuff It Expander was a solution for Mac users to decompress archives, and was an integral part in the shareware community, serving as the de facto file type for many downloaded Mac apps. So, Spencer, why don't you go first? Awesome. Uh, my my macOS usage tenure did not expand to classic macOS, so I have zero clue on any of these. Um, 
I'm going to go with either, I think, one or two. Um, I don't know why. Um, yeah, I I don't know. Every <laughs> I'll go with one. I just, I have no idea. Um, uh, no, that doesn't sound good. I'll go with two. Sorry. And two it is. And yeah. an excellent and choice, excellent as choice. usual. <laughs> <laughs> we know this game. This this is how I felt last week, Spencer. That's fine. Uh, so yeah, um, I know four is likely to be true. Um, I think I remember using stuff expander. Uh, hopefully, it's not my mind playing tricks. Suitcase sounds like a Windows app. So there used to be I don't I I didn't use Windows in English I actually used Windows in Spanish and there was a an icon for like a suitcase and I remember that vividly so I'm going to say that is a Windows thing and boom oh god I'm pretty sure I would have heard something about a game like this had it existed cuz doom is bound to be like what, 89 at the earliest? No, it's got to be later, right? It's got to be after Wolfenstein. So uh, I'm going to go with, with uh, Suitcase. I think Suitcase is, is the error. And equally excellent choice. So let's take these in uh, order that you have both agreed with. So starting with number four, so you both agree that Stuff It Expander was the solution for Mac users to decompress archives, and that is 100% true. Uh, so if you were on Mac OS Classic, so OS 8 or OS 9, I don't know about OS 7, System 7, I should say. Um, I was way too young at that point. Uh, but at least for um, Mac OS 8 and Mac OS 9, you had Stuff It Expander installed because if you wanted to download, like, if you even thought about downloading at this point, uh, apps, they would come as a .sit file, which you would need Stuff Expander to kind of decompress and do something with. If you got Mac Attic CDs, as we discussed uh, last week, likewise. <laughs> Sometimes the CDs would have the decompressed app and you can just run it. Sometimes they would have the archive so that way you can go ahead and fit more on there. Um, so yeah, Stuff Expander was the way to do that, much like DMGs are kind of the way to do it nowadays for Mac apps. Um, although nowadays a lot of apps use zips just so that way it decompresses right away. Um, and people don't launch the app within the DMG, which is something that we've all probably seen a million times. It's like, why is Firefox still in the DMG? Um, <laughs> so good job so far. That one is correct. Let's go to number one. So first draft was a vector based app for classic Mac OS that featured a simplified tool set for making basic illustrations and line art. Uh, and I'm glad both of you think this is true because it is 100% made up. Uh, so uh, I was, I was going to say number one. Yeah. So, so why close. first draft? Uh, first draft was an app that I made back in 10.5. Uh, and that was definitely not part of classic Mac OS. Um, and it was Pretty never sure? even released completely. So <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> Completely fictional on multiple accounts. So sorry, both of you. But let's go to number two. 
uh, Boom is a hundred percent one of those Mac apps that you Mac games that you would find on like the Mac Addict CDs, uh, and it is a hundred percent a blend between Bomberman, where you leave bombs and you blow things up, and Doom, where you have vicious creatures or uh, people with like shotguns that are trying to kill you, uh, a little Bomberman in a green suit. So uh, yeah, that that is a game, and I loved it. Um, so that this is looks real. Great. Sorry, Spencer. <laughs> That's really cool. Unfortunately, you can't play it on like M1s. Maybe if you get like an emulator and then play it in there, it'll probably work. Uh, but yeah, Doom is great. Uh, Boom is great, I should say. Doom and is also great. Suitcase um, was, again, an app in the days where you couldn't have all your fonts loaded. Your computer would explode. Uh. Um, and the magic smoke would escape. Uh, so you needed an app to... Uh, manage that for you. So you would load up all your fonts into suitcase and then say, suitcase, I want the fonts for this project, and it would only enable those. So then your system was not overwhelmed, and you can go ahead and actually work on that project. So that was absolutely a real thing as well. We have um, come a long way. We have. have we, the yeah. days where everything <laughs> is just enabled. Like You can still disable fonts, which I find kind of amazing that that's still a thing. An option. Yeah, an option. And it was originally there because you needed to disable the fonts. You had to have enough RAM to kind of do what you needed to do because all the fonts would be loaded. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Sorry, guys. But next time. <laughs> it was close. Yeah. Spencer, you were so close with your wild guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to trust that first instinct. I know, right? So, as always, I want to personally thank everyone for listening in this week. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter at Code Completion to know when new episodes get released. And feel free to tweet at us if there's ever a topic you'd like for us to dig into. Most importantly, as a small podcast, please be sure to share this with your friends and family who are also interested in any part of the process of app development. It's your support that enables us to continue doing this, and we hope to grow a healthy community around everything we discuss. Once again, I want to give my thanks to Fernando, who is at From Junior to Senior. That's F-R-O-M-J-R-T-O-S-R on Twitter. Spencer, who is at Spencer C. Curtis, that's S-P-E-N-C-E-R-C-C-U-R-T-I-S, on Twitter for joining me this week. My name, once again, is Dimitri. You can find me at Dimitri Buniol, that's D-I-M-I-T-R-I-B-O-U-N-I-O-L, and we'll see you all next week. Bye. 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 I think we need to change the closing a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. It says, and we hope to grow a healthy community around everything we discuss. I think it should be, and we hope to grow a hateful community around everything we discuss oh no we had too much negativity this time <laughs> no i was just was it? just with was facebook it? i was just oh okay if it was a facebook thing it was a I facebook agree. thing 100 <laughs> percent. ah should we rename <laughs> but ourselves it's so meta. To like... <laughs> yeah well that's fair code comments would that be meta enough for you Instead of code completion? Code uh, criticism. Comment it out. <laughs> That's what we should call our, our after show. Comment it out. Oh, that's, a good one. <laughs> that's brilliant. That's actually pretty good. But it, I, o- it I, only gets committed if it's good enough, right? That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really going to read the uh, human interaction guidelines. I, I'm a sucker for the, that kind of uh, reading. Especially like, I rem- since I read that it, that it has case studies. Yeah, and talks about amazing. like... Amazing. I already knew, but... That's crazy. Yeah. You've yeah. all read Folklore before. 
folklore.org, right? Yes. I think no. that's what it is. Oh, you should, Spencer. It's yeah, a lot of great brilliant. old yeah. Max stories. Whoa. Cool. Yeah, it's so, so good. So, so good. A lot of, like, they're, like, what's the other site I'm thinking of? I'll, I'll look it up. But uh, Folklore is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I'll look at it. And I think it was actually, like, maintained by a lot of the early Mac folks. There's a website. Okay, I'm going give, to give up. There's a website with a ton of, like, old quotes that are really funny. It's black and white. Like, stories from, like, yesteryear. Um, like, have you guys never heard about Liam, Eminem and Britney? Nope. No? That's, that's oh, too my God. much uh, culture. Pop culture. Yeah. No, no, that is no. It is not pop culture. It you mentioned pop. three names I barely recognize. <laughs> <laughs> I immediately categorized it as such. Like I put on my 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 Roman wizard hat. No, you guys are gonna have a re- bash dot org. Oh, I've heard of bash dot org. Yeah. This this is go go ahead and read this right now. It's like okay. twenty lines. It's just I don't know. It's so good. And when you said folklore, uh, bash.org was the first thing that came to mind. Oh, like copy pastas, basically? It's more or less copy pastas, but they're like, these are really old. Oh. Like, this one is probably like 15, 20 years old. It's got to be at least that. <laughs> it's from 2002, so it's been in a while. <laughs> the mightiest sorcerer of the lands. <laughs> ah. Disappointed in you, Fernando. What? Why? For remembering this. <laughs> For storing it in the deep wells of your brain. <laughs> There's a bunch of really amazing... Like the Hunter 2 story. Please tell me you know the Hunter 2 story. I do not. Oh, I only have room in my head for Benny Lava. I'm sorry. <laughs> the Hunter 2 story is just legendary. It's legendary. Both this, the uh, I put on my robe and wizard hat, and this Hunter 2. Hunter 2 is probably also as old, like 15, 20 years old. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the password thing. Yeah. This brings back memories. I haven't read Bash.org in, in a while. 